Louise Bedford here. Just before we kick off with today's show, I wanted to let you know that for one week only, you can get up to 84% off a selection of my most popular trading education products available through tradinggame.com.au. Make no mistake. Your financial future is in your hands. So check out the audios, videos, and study courses that I have available at tradinggame.com.au. Now's your chance to develop your skills as a trader for up to 84% off, but only for the next week. Let's get on with the show. This is part of the mythology of trading. Part of the mythology of trading is that you'll never go into drawdown. You'll never have losing trades. It will always be perfect. Mm. And that's the nonsense that the internet produces. But it's the only profession in the the world where you can fail your way to a Porsche. Hi, it's share trader Caroline Stephen. Today on Talking Trading, we delve into the freaky trading genius mind of Chris Tate, and we ask him nine new questions about his trading and his trading career. Plus, we also want to let you know today that we have a brand new trading game YouTube channel, and we would love you to be a part of it. And in fact, today's interview with Chris Tate will be available on YouTube. Go to youtube.com forward slash trading game and subscribe. If you write in your comments, Chris Hayes and Louise Bedford will answer you personally. Plus, we're also going to be releasing bonus videos and resources on YouTube that you won't be able to get anywhere else. So make sure you go to youtube.com forward slash trading game, subscribe and like our videos. But first today on Talking Trading, here is Louise Bedford. I remember one time after one of my future mentorees asked me for the fee for the mentor program. After I answered, they said, oh my God, I could buy a car for that amount. But let's face it, if you wanted a car, you would have bought a car. I'll tell you one thing for sure is that once you drive that car off the lot, the value depreciates. However, when you invest in yourself, your value exponentially increases again and again and again. If you feel that you've been misunderstood and you are not around people who are cheerleading your success, or maybe you've just never had the opportunity to explore the type of trading that can dovetail into your life, maybe it's time you did something different. The mentor program is exquisitely impactful. Give yourself permission. Often, We don't have a problem spending money on others, on our children. They need a car, they need clothes, they need college education. But sometimes we have trouble allowing ourselves to invest in ourselves. We hesitate. Even making the decision to investigate the mentor program will 
let you realize that you're valuing yourself and your future and it takes your thinking to another level. If it's calling you forward, you must take action. I do want you to be aware that it is a significant level of investment to get involved with the mentor program, but so you'd expect for the number one trading mentor program in the world. We've been running this since the year 2000 and it is a repeat for free course. So not only once you learn how to trade effectively will you be doing this once, you'll actually be doing it time and time again throughout the years going into the future, surrounded by people who care for you, surrounded by trading buddies who are in those trenches with you because we do hunt as a pack. So really, by now, if you've been following anything to do with the way that we've been helping traders change their lives, you'll know that we are going to provide free resources into people registered for priority notification for the mentor program. So that is your next step. Registration for the priority notification group is free. And now's your chance. We've already started giving away some very special videos and free resources to the people already registered. So go to tradinggame.com.au forward slash priority to get registered. That website again, tradinggame.com.au .com.au slash priority. I need you to register now. We are at a critical time, a critical juncture. Now is the time that you need to trade effectively and to get those resources under your belt. I want you to revel in your trader's life. So register for priority notification right now. I'm Victor Sperandio, and I really enjoy talking trading. And now let's delve into Chris Tate's trading genius mind. Here he is. CT, what is one thing you wish you would have known before you began your career? It's always good to start with the hardest of damn questions. Probably that this was an internal problem to be solved. One of the problems people face is that they look at the market and they think that it is a problem to be solved, that somewhere there is an answer. There's the perfect trading system, perfect indicator, perfect whatever. And it takes a long time to realise that the only problem that needs to be solved is you. Uh, trading's an internal endeavour. It's, it's not external at all. And I, like lots of people, wasted years trying to solve the market before I actually began to think about solving myself. You got to solving yourself. It, it's, it's overcoming that belief that there is something to be solved, something that you can control. Because when, when you look at the literature, what, it, there's an interesting thing with people. When they look at people who enter lotteries, people who enter lotteries tend to value the, own, the numbers they have picked at a higher value than the numbers that have been picked randomly. They've all got the same chance of winning. Your, your numbers are not important, but it's that act of control of picking them that you, you think enhances your control over the market. 
And so people think that if they get more information, more indicators, more tools, that that is somehow a mechanism of control. When in actual fact, trading is a profession of letting go because a share price will do whatever it wants to do, irrespective of whether you're involved or not. So you're saying you can be a control freak, but only about your trading plan, everything else you've got to let go. Once you're in, in the water, that's it. What is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? That's an interesting question because I don't, I don't tend to chronicle failures for some reason. It's never been part of my personality. If I was to say one, it would relate to the first question and that is the inability to understand that this was not a problem to be solved. It was an endeavour to be undertaken and the two are different in tone and intent. And that's where I used to trip myself up continually because when you're an arrogant wanker like me and you're used to solving problems, your ego gets in the way and you can't see that you are actually the problem. And this is something I see with all traders is that they can't see that they're the problem. It's just this notion of self-awareness is a fleeting thing in a lot of people. And for many people, their their self-awareness is not sufficient to get them to the point of being able to trade. It's not sufficient to get them to the point of just letting go. Were there a couple of times where you actually put the wrong trade on? I did. I had a, last time was, I had the cleaners in the background at my old house and I was trying to get an order on the spy away and they, they turned up early. They were annoying the living daylights out of me for turning up early and I was rushing to get it done and fat fingers. Uh, the order was out by an order of magnitude. Uh, so I was in and out very, very quickly <laughs> because <laughs> when it's that size and your position size the same way and put your stop in the same spot, small perturbation just takes you out and you go, well, shit, now I'm going to go out. I've had enough for the day. That's it. We've had this conversation before. Everyone has failures. It's just that a lot of people don't mention or admit it. Yeah, it's, but I, I see, I don't view structural failures as a thing. For example, I don't view losing trades as a failure. They're, they're not a thing. They're only a failure if you look back and you realised you've done something really stupid and it's a pattern you repeat because trading is a profession of making mistakes and that's a hard thing for people to overcome. This notion that there is no nexus between being right and making money trips people up all the time mm. and so I, I i don't mind getting trades wrong because it's just it's par for the course in this profession and I, i've never had catastrophically large losses you know you have trades that go wrong or in the early days where stops were not a thing you have trades that blow through stops or where you know you envisage your stop to be but they're par for the course have you been trading for such a long time now that when you get to a drawdown period, which are inevitable, do you know that you've just got to sit it out? It's, it's like everything else. You just, it, it's par for the course. Life, it, life takes a certain trajectory and, and life has periods where it's really good, where it's a bit ordinary and where it's shit. 
This is part of the mythology of trading. Part of the mythology of trading is that you'll never go into drawdown. You'll never have losing trades. It will always be perfect. Mm. And that, that's the nonsense that the internet produces. But it's the only profession in the, way, in the world where you can fail your way to a Porsche. <laughs> so when you're <laughs> failing your way into a drawdown, what do you do to soothe yourself psychologically that, you know, you're going to come out of it? Just keep going. You just, you just keep going. What advice would you give to someone trying to pursue a career in trading, you know, pretty similar to yours? Do medicine. Uh, (laughs) There's a a few, it's, that's such a complicated question. There's a few things to unpack. It's, it comes back to expectations. What are your expectations from doing this? If your expectation is that by Friday, you will be trading an account of $50 million, that's not going to happen. Mm. Much of the difficulty people face is in their expectation. And look, in many ways, I don't blame them because, again, the internet infects people with this notion, and particularly social media, that it's really, really simple. The money just pours in and you never have to worry about anything. Now, if your expectation is that this is a skill you're going to master and have for the rest of your life, that's a different thing. Mm. So it's a matter of setting the groundwork for what your expectations are. If your expectations aren't correct, it's not that the rest of it becomes easy. It's that the rest of it becomes tolerable. Mm. But without that groundwork, then it's really just a, a profession of disappointment. And this is why so many traders come and go, I'll use an analogy from my past. When I first started in martial arts at about 12, it used to be that probably, look, when I I got my black belt several years later, no one I'd started with was still training. Why not? Well, because it takes years. It takes years of grinding, sweating, getting hurt, getting injured, getting over the hump of hurting other people. And it takes time. But my expectation was that it was a skill to master over the long term. Most people enter the martial arts, and they probably still do it now. They did it, certainly did it way back then. I'm on the belief that, you know, in a month's time, I'll be a lethal weapon and I'll have to register my hands with the police. Yeah, no, in a month's time, you still probably won't be able to tie your belt properly. <laughs> Again, we come back to expectations. The expectation is incorrect. And if the expectation is incorrect, then everything becomes so difficult and so hard and you're dispirited by the first little hurdle and you give up. And the default setting for most people is to give up. Mm. So my, my, my advice to people who want this sort of career is look at what your expectations are. Look at what your motivations are. What do you want from this profession? Because in the initial stages, there are much easier ways to make money. Let's talk about some great resources. What are some of your favourites that have helped you along the way? That's a really good question because when, when I, the world now is so different to the world when I started. When did when you start? Started, the 80s? 1983. So sometime last century, which sounds a long time ago. 
there were no resources. There just weren't. Getting books was nigh on impossible because you would have to order them from the US and Americans being as they are would naturally send them to Austria because Austria sounds like Australia, so it must be the same thing. Uh, the ASX eventually had a bookshop and an education centre, but that, that was many years down the track. And so resources were, were thin on the ground. The best resource I had was my own account and my own being too stupid to stop. Mm. And, and that, that's, that's a cornerstone of all success. You just have to be too stupid to stop. How did you teach you just, yourself? Uh, I would put a trade on and lose money. <laughs> put another trade on and lose money. Put another trade on and lose money. Um, fortunately, derivatives were appearing in terms of in the form of options. And the options market then was very different to the options market today in that even in its early years, it had much more volume. It was much more dynamic because the range of shares was contracted. Now, any idiot who wants to have a their share traders exchange trade options can and so i seem to because being quantitative understood how they worked but e even then it was an expensive process to learn you, you would still put trades on get them on put trades on get them on and <clears throat> it, it was just a matter of chronicling what you did wrong and I think that's where my background from research comes in, that you're a data collector. Mm. You want to know why things went wrong. Why, why didn't that work? Why was that a cock-up? Why, why, why did this work? And so you could begin to see over time patterns and, and ideas. But I was still caught in that notion of this is a problem to be solved. And because options were quantitative, you could solve them. So at the moment, you're doing a lot of podcasts, which are fantastic. What have you listened to recently that you found inspiring? What inspires Not you? A thing. Not a thing. I know that's a terrible answer. Not a thing. But the last person that I encountered who I thought had it all going on and organised, and we'll leave aside historical figures uh, because they've been and gone. When we went to see Chris Hatfield, the Canadian astronaut. The reason Hatfield interested me was because he was functional. He set out with an end in mind, and the end in mind was to be an astronaut. That's a difficult thing when you're a farm boy from Canada because Canada doesn't have a space program, as was pointed out to him apparently by his mother on numerous occasions. But he set out a plan. How do I do this? All right. At the time, most astronauts were former fighter pilots. Mm. So we joined the Canadian Air Force. Oh, I need a degree. I'll do engineering. Most astronauts have a quantitative degree. They're mathematicians, physicists, aeronautical engineers, mechanical engineers. Did that. Oh, a lot of them are test pilots. I think I'll go to test pilot school, see if I can get in there. And everything was these constant steps towards an end point. And because it's functional, that appeals to me because so many people have an end point but there's nothing in between that there's this sort of nebulous bullshit idea they have somewhere way off here and it's that you know sort of tomorrow i will do well yeah that's all well and good but how are you going to get there 
Mm. What are the individual steps? You know, how, how is it? How is it going to happen? Just looking at what's behind you there, Spitfires. I think you're a closet, could be in another life, pilot slash astronaut. I'm a closet historian. Well, it's not so much of a closet, actually, if you look at my bookshelf. It's simply because there's no new problems. And this is the thing people don't understand. People now think that the problems they have and the problems of society at large are new. Let's take the sort of tension between generations. Every generation thinks that the one coming up behind them are complete and utter losers. And that might be actually true for this generation, apparently, unfortunately. But Plato, several thousand years ago, whinged about the same thing. <laughs> my, my, my father whinged about it, you know, a generation a bit ago. History provides clues, which is why I can't understand why people are not historians of markets. People seem to think that markets only began when they noticed them. Uh, yeah, no, they didn't. We've had markets for a very, very, very long time. People think Bitcoin is new. No, it's not. We did that 300 years ago. It was called the South Sea Bubble. It was mm -hmm. also called the Dutch Tulip Boom. We, we've done all of this before. And that's all for today's episode. Stay tuned next week to hear more burning questions for Chris Tate and Caroline Stephen. Take care, stay safe, stay well. As always, if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend. This is super important because word of mouth is the most powerful way that people can get in touch with us. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcast. And make sure you give us a big, fat five-star review because it helps people find us. You'll also notice that Talking Trading doesn't use sponsors and barely advertisers. This is because Chris Tate and Louise Bedford fund this show from tradinggame.com.au. If you'd like to get Louise's five-part free e-course, register at tradinggame.com.au. So until next week, happy trading. The views represented on Talking Training are general in nature and do not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any of the information, consider its appropriateness in regards to your own situation.